Have you ever loved something uh, like a lot and then uh, then you just kind of get tired of it? Uh, like a song. Have you ever like heard a song and you're like, man, I really like that song, and then the radio starts playing it, and they're like, you know what? I think I'm kind of sick of this song now. Or, or what about food? Like, have you ever went to White Castle and like you're real hungry and you're like, hey, I want 15 of those, and then like you eat two of them and you're like, yeah, I think I'm done now. Like I'm a little bit tired of them. So. There are things in life that we get used to. Maybe like when we get uh, married, I mean, the way we sleep changes. Like when we first get married, uh, we might sleep like this. So uh, we kind of cuddle each other and we want to sleep really close together, right? Uh, You know, the newness is kind of there. And then we have kids and we have this. So we sleep kind of apart, right? And like, are any of you guys want to see anybody here a cuddler? Anybody here cuddle? Like to cuddle? Yeah. Uh, anybody here, this, you don't want to be touched when you sleep. Yeah. So I'm kind of like that too. I'm like that. Courtney's a cuddler. I don't want to be touched. So she'll say, I want to cuddle. And then I'll just reach over and put my hand on her. Like, and then, uh, you know, and then, you know, it gets worse. It becomes kind of like this. So, you know, there's a <laughs> baby. And uh, that's a cute baby, huh? Like, so, so yeah, like, so you, you know, that happens, and now, like, there's, and then in the end, you know, you're kind of looking uh, like this. Uh, there's there's a bunch of kids, you know, and some of you, if, if that's not you, that's awesome. But uh, but you know what I'm saying. Like, we we love each other, right? But but we do sometimes the, the newness wears off, right? And, like, we end up playing. Things like that happen, like, in the church. Like, if you take the verse, like, John 3, 16, you could recite that to me, but but if you if you just recite it, like, or, or if you say it, do you, do you really think about the meaning, and does it really hit you right in the heart? You know, and, and grace, the word grace is kind of the same way, right? Like, so we talk about grace a lot. You hear that word a lot, but do you ever stop to think, like, what does this word really mean? Uh, and as we talk about grace, and Keegan talked about it last week, I'll talk about it this week, uh, we just want you to hear it in a good way, a, a way that makes your heart jump for joy. Cornflakes. Uh, came out with a slogan, and cornflakes has been around like forever. So they came out with a slogan, I think, to get maybe some newer people to try it, and they said, uh, cornflakes, uh, taste them for the first time. And like today, I would say, like, as you hear the word grace, uh, hear it like it is your first time or, or second time, because Keegan spoke about it last week, but, but we want you to hear it in a new way. So if I were to entitle this sermon, and I did, it would be called that grace is greater. And one of the, the first points I want to make to realize how great grace is, you have to realize first that our point one is sin is bad. Okay, Romans 3.23, say, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we know right off the bat, like everybody in this room has sinned. Everybody that has lived on this earth except Jesus, they all have sinned, all right? Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. So we're talking about Adam here. Death came through us through Adam, and when, he, when the fall happened, like then it brought death and destruction like into the world, right? And all have sinned because of that. Uh, so what's, what happens? Well, Romans 6.23 says that, for the wages of sin is death. So we have all sinned, and we sin, right? And we have to realize like, that 
the gravity of our sin, like, and what that means, like, for our life. Uh, so, I don't know if you've ever, like, noticed your kids doing something wrong, like, my kids do a lot, and I, I treat it different than when I do something wrong. So, Halloween just happened, right? So, I have this thing where I like to eat all my kids' Halloween candy. Like, when they go in bed, I can watch, you know, watch TV and eat it. And here's the thing, I just, I love Reese Cups, so if there's like the full-size Reese Cups, I might eat them all, you know, and then uh, they get up and they're, they've gotten mad at me before, hey, what happened to all the Reese Cups? And then I say, you know, hey, you don't pay rent around here, do you? You know, so it's like, I can eat whatever I want. Uh, so, I, you know, and it, it's not nice. The other day, I was uh, driving in Lanesville, I went to the Lanesville Food Mart, stopped there to get gas. I don't stop there that much, but at Lanesville Food Mart, they make homemade no-bake cookies, and they are awesome, okay? So, Courtney loves them. My kids love them. I love them. We just all love them. So, I, I'm going to buy some. I bought a bag of chocolate, and I bought a bag of peanut butter, all right? So, I get gas. I buy these, and I'm on my way home. So, on the way home, I'm, I start eating them. I don't know how many I'm eating because it's dark. I can't see, okay? And they're... <laughs> They're good, too. Like, so I just keep eating them on the way home, and then I think, oh, I should probably stop, and I ate a little bit more, and then I finally stopped, okay? So we get home, and I forget about those cookies. I go inside, and a little time passes, and I say, hey, I forgot. I got you guys some no-bake cookies. The kids are happy. They're screaming. Courtney's dancing. Like, we, get, we have these cookies. She's happy. So I go outside. I wait a little bit, you know, till everything's kind of down, and, and I thought, I wonder how many, you know, is left in the bag. So I go out and I look, and, and there's one chocolate one left, all right? And then there's the remnants of the peanut butter ones, the kind of like crumbs and stuff. So like I grab it, and I, I kind of I hide it, and I hurry up, and then I give the no-bake cookies to my wife, all right? And then I don't say anything to the kids, and she eats it. Next morning, Paisley gets up, and she goes, Dad, where's the no-bake cookies? Like she's excited, and I said, uh, uh, Mommy ate them all. So... <laughs> She, and then she, you know, cried, and she got upset, and I was like, you know, telling her, hey, you know what, uh, uh, you know, I, we can eat whatever we want, okay? Like, so here's the thing. Like, when, when I do something like that, I shouldn't have done that. Like, what, why would I eat 12 of those cookies, you know? Like, so I eat all these cookies, and then they're upset, and they, they should be, but like, what I find is when I do something wrong, sometimes I find a way to justify it, right? So our own sin, we want to treat different, don't we? We can justify our own sin some way, but, but if we want to understand how great grace is, we can't do that. We want to realize and understand our own sin and what it really means. It's easy for us to judge others, right? Some of you might be in here thinking right now, hey, I have it all together. You're not talking to me. I don't sin, you know, or I don't struggle with things. But I want to tell you, like, pride and lying, that's a sin too. So we all have stuff we deal with. Some people deal with anger. Some people deal with pride. Some people deal with arrogance. It's, it's important that we can see our sin for what it is, that it's sin, and we don't try to say, well, well, mine is okay. Yours isn't, but I'm all right. So we all have sin. And to accept grace, we have to see our sin for what it is. I'm really interested in this next thing. So... How many of you, and I want you to stand for this, because like, how many of you are the kind of person that when you're sick, like you don't admit it, you tell, ah, I'm okay, I'm not sick. 
How many of you do that? Stand up. I want, I want to see who you are. Like you just, you're like, ah, I'm okay. You know, so I see you. All right. You can go sit down. So, all right. How many of you are big crybabies? Stand up. Like when you're sick. So, yeah. A lot of guys, I see wives pushing their guys up. Get up there. Like, so here's the thing. My wife, her arm could be cut off and she'd say, I'm fine. I don't need to go to the hospital. I ain't take no medicine. Like she could be sick crying. And I'm like, hey, I think uh, maybe we need to take you, you know, to the doctor. And she'll say, no, I'm okay. I'm going to give you some medicine. She'll say, no, I'm okay. She had a baby at home, okay, because she's like, no, I'm okay. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't think so. Uh, so, and then there's me, and she says, and I do, like, I get this thing called the man flu, okay? Like, I am a whiny baby when I'm sick. I just am. Uh, she takes care of me. Uh, she, like, throws fruit at me and stuff to eat, and she just, you know, so anyway, when we are sick, like, we cannot get better unless we admit that we're sick, right? Unless you can say, hey, I'm sick, I need medicine, I need help. And it's the same way with sin. Like, it's hard to accept grace or understand how big grace is if we can't accept like, that we sin, if we won't admit that we don't have it all together. You know, if we walk around like, I have it all, like, it doesn't, grace isn't as much to that person, I don't believe. Like, when we understand the gravity of our sin, then we can understand the greatness of the grace that God gives us. So sin is bad. Second point, but God's grace is greater. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5.15 says, But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonder, wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness for many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Okay, so let me ask you a question. A little Bible quiz. Who wrote Romans? Just shout it out. Come on. Who wrote Romans? Paul. Yeah. So who wrote First Timothy? Paul. Yeah. So here's Paul, and he's talking about sin. Okay. He's talking about God's grace and how it is greater than sin. And I want to tell you, Paul understood sin, okay? So in 1 Timothy, he says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of who I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immersed patience an example of those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. So Paul here is saying he is the worst sinner. And you know he doesn't say, I was. He says, I am, right? Why would he do that? Why would Paul proclaim himself to be the worst sinner? He was not dwelling on his own sinful nature. No, Paul was uh, pointing, as he did in every area of ministry, to the cross of Christ. So he received a lot of grace because he was a great sinner. And how much greater was the love of Jesus Christ? He received mercy so that Jesus might display his amazing grace. 
How many of you, like if you were hooked up to a polygraph and I said, hey, uh, you know, who's the worst sinner that you know? How many of you would say, you know, myself? You know, I mean, so I, I would say that, like, but it would be me trying to be, I don't really believe that, you know, I don't really believe I'm the worst sinner that I know, but, but Paul here, he, he's saying something else. He, he understands how great his sin was how great it can be, and because of that, how great God's grace is. Paul knows and understands the sin that he was forgiven for. Whatever the flesh once manifested itself to be in our lives, some extreme form of evil, whatever we have done that is now in our own sight, bad, ugly, and something we are ashamed of, we have to remember that that is an area of weakness that needs to be guarded very carefully, because we can return to that in an instant, no matter how long we have been Christians, and that's what Paul's talking about. He knows the kind of sin that he, co- he committed, and he's not talking about other people's sin, he's talking about his own. Paul understands sin, and he understands that God's grace is greater than his sin. And if that's true for him, it's true for you. So my last is this, grace is for you. For you, your name at your address, like grace is for you. Titus 3, 4 says, When God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of our righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. There's nothing that we can do that's going to save us. It's, a, it's from him. It's from Jesus. Like we accept that gift from him. It's because of his mercy, not the great things that we have done. There is a lady named Hedy Green, okay? This is a picture of her, nice-looking lady. So in the early 20th century, a woman, this woman here died, leaving behind an incredible fortune. By today's figures, it's estimated that she was worth $4 billion at the time of her death. She was likely the wealthiest woman in the world when she died. But what's most unusual about her is the way that she lived, even though she had great wealth. Despite her great fortune, she lived an extremely simple life. She only owned one pair of clothing. She never used heat or hot water in her house. When her son broke his leg, she refused to pay for him to go to the hospital, and his leg was eventually amputated. Her tight fistfulness was so well known, she's listed in the Guinness Book of World Records. She was so rich, and you may be wondering, why would she live like this? Why would she do those things having such great wealth? Why would she take advantage of that and use it. It's not like she didn't use it for charity. She just saved it and she wouldn't spend it even to go fix her son's leg. And if you think about it, this is what we Christians do all the time. See, we have this abundant, amazing, outrageous, unlimited grace of the one true God, and yet we live as though we are orphans. We have rejected the benefits of being a child of God for the life of an orphan. We have inherited the riches beyond our wildest imagination to continue to live on our old budget, penny pitching our way through life with God. Like Paul, we might acknowledge where we came from, the sin that we have, but we also let it paralyze us with guilt and shame. We think that grace, God's grace, might be for everyone else, but it can't be for us. The truth is that it is for you. John 8, 1 and 11 is the woman caught in adultery. And I'm going to read this to you. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning... 
he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up and again said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Did even one of them condemn you? No, Lord Jesus. No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Jesus asked her like, where her accusers were. So I just Jesus Jesus knows this lady. Okay. He knows who she is. He knows what she's done. He's known her since she was in her mom's womb. They he knows. He knows. And he asked her, like, where are your accusers? If you can imagine, like, this is God's child. This is his daughter. And Jesus watches as they pull her in front of a crowd, which would be humiliating, right? Shame her. She probably just has a bed sheet. And then she, they, want to, they want the crowd to stone her. Have you ever taught your kids or witnessed them doing something they shouldn't? I would expect a yes from that, right? So uh, there are a few times when we have. Uh, Paisley one time was looking at my father-in-law, Eric. Like He, he left his wallet uh, laying in the bed. And he wasn't in there, so she climbed in the bed, and she started going through his wallet. And she was about four years old. He came around the corner, and when he saw her, she goes like this. She goes, nothing, and she threw the wallet, you know. So she was caught, like, red-handed, you know. Uh, and she was scared. Chesney, one time, was riding in the van with us, and, and Chesney was a little bit upset when we had our fifth kid uh, because I think she might think sometimes that there's just not enough love to go around, right? Like, she wants all of me. She doesn't want to share me. So, like, we're, we're in the van, and I remember she was getting kind of an attitude. And uh, it, was, it just was, it wasn't going very well. So when we got home, I thought, like, I'm going to go inside. I'm going to lay down the law. And we've laid down the law with our kids before, and, and that's fine. But, like, I follow her to her bedroom, start laying down the law. Like, she she... Like, falls on her knee, okay? And as, like, I'm laying down the law, like, she looks at me. And this is, this is not like, I want to get away with something. This is someone that is broken. Someone that probably realizes that she shouldn't have acted like she did, but somebody that also is hurt, like for real. And, and I just remember like how my tone and the way that I was talking to her changed. I hugged her. I want her to see grace. 
Won't you look at me? Not condemnation. And she's dramatic. You know, she said, she said, Daddy, you probably don't even love me. She said again, you probably want to take me outside and kill me. And I was like, I don't want to kill you. I might leave you at someone's house. I don't, but, but I would never do that. I, I'm thinking like, like you, and she has said that before. You think that I like want to, would take you outside and kill you? You think that I don't love you? I mean, I think God maybe feels the same way sometimes. I mean, sometimes we, want, we don't look to God as somebody to go to, but we look to him as someone that is looking at us with shame, condemnation. I want my children to see grace in me. And I think God wants us to see grace in him because he gives it. I hugged her and everything was okay. I didn't leave her anywhere. I didn't do anything like that. But in closing, Frank Warren wrote a book called Postal Secrets, okay? So what he did was he left these, uh, he left these little notes around everywhere in the United States, and he said, he said, uh, tell me, like, your secrets. Like, and give them, like, send them to this address. And a lot of people did and and then he made this book out of it and and some of them are just weird okay but one person wrote i like to eat bubble gum from the bottom of the table all right one man wrote i don't trust women who wear capri pants one wife wrote and she said this not me and it really i mean she said when my husband <laughs> makes me mad i put boogers in his soup so yeah the evil lady so a man wrote, women who don't wear makeup are lazy. Uh, another guy, an employee said, I give decaf to customers who are rude to me. And then there are some that are just sad. So one man said, laying next to my wife makes me feel sorry for my lover. Another person said, sometimes I wish I was blind. So I wouldn't have to look at myself. Another person said, I wish my father would have forgiven me before he died. Another person said, I haven't spoken to my dad in 10 years, and it kills me every day. Another person said, when I eat, I feel like a failure. Another person said, I'm only happy when I buy things. The last one of the book is interesting because it said, I have told all my secrets, and now... I feel free. Jesus, like, he, so this lady, he, he looks at her, and this has to be like the worst day of her life. She's been found out, okay? She's, she's drugged into the light in front of everybody, and they announce this woman has committed adultery. There's no grace. There's no patience. There's nothing there. They pull her out, and Jesus... This is his daughter. He sees her. He knows. 
the shame that she feels, how scared that she is, the secrets that she has. But he says, you know, after the accusers leave, he said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, I don't know what you have in your life. I don't know what secrets you keep. I know that there are sometimes things that we don't give to God. And we pretend that he doesn't know about these things. And we give him kind of all of our heart, but this kind of this portion over here. And we might think what we have done is too dark or too bad. Or we, we just can't go there with God. He just wouldn't be able to take it. But that is so untrue. God knows what you've done. He still loves you. He still offers grace. And I would say today, like, if you're struggling with something, like, don't take it with you. Can you leave it? Go to God. Find somebody to pray with. There is nothing that you've done that God's grace cannot cover. So we're going to have people that are in the back that will pray with you today. And as a as they sing today, like if you want to pray, if you got something going on in your life, we would love to pray for you. We would love to be in the middle of the mess that you got going on in your life because we all kind of do, right? We would love to pray with you today. So there'll be some people in the back to do that. If you have never accepted Jesus, if you don't know who he is and you want to be baptized today, you can do that. If you want to join this church, you can do that. You can come back there. You can come up here. But today, as we sing, I want you to know the invitation is open for you to pray. Okay, if you want to grab a friend and you want to go pray with a friend, you can do that too. But we don't want you to miss the moment. Okay, so I'm going to pray and then we're going we're gonna to jump into some worship. So you stand with me. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for the love that you give us. Father, we are, I'm thankful. You know everything about everybody that is in this room. And you still love us. You still sent your son to die for us. Father, I pray if someone is struggling with something today, uh, that they would have the courage to step out and go find somebody and pray. Father, that they don't go into battles alone, but with you and and just the people of God. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.